All right, we are doing it again. Another podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Jason, and I'm joined by Ashley. Together, we run, own, and operate La Tavola Marque, an agriturismo and cooking school here in the heart of La Marque, a tiny region no one knows about in central Italy. Is it Tuscany? <laughs> you always do that. When do I do that? All the time. Whatever. Never. Anyway, today's the 17th of February. We are in the afternoon, it is exactly 5.30 in the afternoon. The sun is setting, um, and there is a little bit of mist, and it's kind of warm out, but misty. So why are we doing a strange out-of-sync-for-us evening podcast? Well, it's still winter. The days are short, meaning the light is short. It's getting longer, of course, but Gaji still pops in for coffee, sets the morning off a little later than normal. And we've got to get projects done while the sun is shining or while it's still dry because we've got snow and rain in the forecast. Like Jay said, it is a misty afternoon, so it's good we got the wood done. Uh, yeah, we're morning pot. I, I, I know. Normally, we fire these up first thing in the morning like with our cappuccino. So, yeah. and we're energy. S- you got to bring energy. We do. But we've had a good nap. <laughs> and that we're counts. back at it. We're back at it. All right. So what's going on last time we did this? Uh, Carnival has come and gone. We did nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Nothing. Didn't go to a parade to or Pacquiao festival. Nope. Nothing. Nothing local. Nothing Fano. Nothing far. Last year we were in Venice the days before, which was cool. But didn't do anything this year. Uh, we've kept you updated on the sausages. Where are we at? The sausages are down. The sausages are all zipped up, and they took about five and a half, six weeks. We have the salami still up hanging, and those are going to have to come down. They they have another week, I would say. Okay. So those went almost those went uh, eight and a half, nine, depending. But um, we're p- getting ready to paint that room, so they have to come down. It's true. And more updates. People have asked um, via email at times, friends, family, podcast listeners, what's the update on the fireplace? Did you guys get that fixed? All right. So well, to recap very quickly. Just real quick. Oh, it's the same as why there is the part two of the kitchen re- renovation video has never been posted. It's never been finished. <laughs> There's still no lights in the kitchen. Well, not no lights, but... With it, the fireplace, like the kitchen, is a work in progress. So, recap real quick. Uh, three days before Christmas, we had a small chimney fire, and um, the fire department came and said, you can't use your fireplace anymore until you get a um, stainless steel tube put in the flue because the heat cracked the masonry. Okay? Uh, here we are. Today is the 17th of February. and You told me this I said isn't March. going in until March. I, I was like, March. shut up. <laughs> well, the other day, I made a mortal sin. Yes. Um, because the mortal sin is um, if the guy calls you and says, I can come right now, you just say yes, even if you're not ready. And I wasn't ready because he's also going to drill a new hole in the wall to the outside to put the new um, tube for the uh, hood to exit all the f- – Out of the kitchen. Out of the kitchen. So I wasn't ready for that yet. So when he <laughs> called and said, hey, I can – And it was during a nap. Yeah, I was half asleep. So he calls and says, hey, I'm, uh, I don't have anything to do. This was Thursday at like one thirty-two. I don't have any – I finished my job this week early. I'm, can, can I come by right now and do this? And it's like, oh, no. Dun, 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 dun. Well, that I didn't. Was, I haven't taken the hood down yet. You whammied yourself. I know. I screwed myself <laughs> because now he's like, "All right, well, I'll give you a call late next week," which means never again. I Good luck know. when I pull your number. It's, I know. All, it's totally from the Muddy Pit. For those who love or know the movie, the scene where the construction crew comes and shows up at the house. Out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. We pulled your number. And it's just totally like that. You never know if they're going to show up or when. It's when they pull your number. Yeah. So if they pull your number, you got to say yes. Yes. I I did not. I said no. And if I I was of sound mind, I would have thought about it Mm -hmm. and gotten off my butt and just gone and get it it would take an hour of work you'd say ash ready. let's go we got yeah. we gotta fix this that was a that was a mistake anyway so live and learn again it's funny um and yes god you loved being here bright and early since hunting season is over he's antsy for projects so pruning the trees yeah today we pruned all the fruit trees um 
which was good. The only thing is that we are, some of our um, some of our uh, plum trees. Is that a plum right there? Mm-hmm. Oh my god, they have thorns on the branches. Oh, they're terrible! Yeah, and they're starting to swell. And yeah, the the branches, the um, buds are starting to swell, and they're going to flower soon. And that means and this is mid February. Yeah, we're not going to get fruit again. Because no, you guys. Normally, we always have a freeze or frost or something heavy in March. Last year, we had snow and then frost and frozen in April. We didn't have any fruit in that. That's the hard thing of having a mild winter is we're still up in these foothills of the Apennines and it's going to get cold. Yeah. It's, it's going to kill them. It's definitely. And I haven't seen any bees around. So even if they flower, are the bees going to come around? I don't know. Pollinate. Pollinate. Uh, <laughs> um, we got some local gossip. Um, we went and got uh, on Friday. We went to. Oh, we're a, supposed to cue like the music, the theme music. What's the theme music? We haven't come up with it yet. Oh. But I do want like a. So local gossip. Um, we went to um, Friday because it's Lent now. Even though we're not religious, um, the fish guy comes into a pecchio on Fridays, um, and he's usually stocked up because everyone wants fish for for Lent, uh, the, for the first Friday of Lent. Or what? Hold on. Every Friday. Every Friday is Lent. See? I no, know all it's this Lent stuff. is for 40 days, and every Friday during Lent, you yeah. have fish. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Anyway, <laughs> it's the place to be on Fridays, is a lot of water to- cooler talk yep. uh, about what's going on. The poor, poor Ketaman isn't getting much business except from the sinners. <laughs> <laughs> Except for the sinners. <laughs> anyway, water cooler talk is that vino suvuso or loose wine in the Marque will be uh, has will be more expensive by twenty to forty cents this year. Dum, 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 dum. That's a steep raise because sometimes you're able to get vino suvuso and good. I don't even want to like tell you guys how cheap it can be, um, but we're talking like a euro twenty a liter. And that can be really good. Yeah. So for it to jump to one forty, one sixty, that is a significant price. Um, Vinos Fuso, unlike other countries where you can't buy loose wine here, you go to the Azienda, you go to the the winery, and you just. You can taste it and buy it, and um, you can fill a milk jug, a water jug. You can fill whatever you, you want. Fill but whatever you know, you want. if you don't bring the proper demijohns, they look at you. Sideways. No, but I've seen some gnarly countrymen just showing up with what looks like. Like a gas can. Yeah. Well, <laughs> s- well who was it sent around? Luke used to take those plastic gas cans. Um, but we went to this one guy who's a little. He's on. Uh, he's in the corner uh, on the south of Ancona in the um, on the corner. Uh, what do they call it? Monte Corner. Right. Mm-hmm. He's a little bit. Snooty. Oh, Serenelli. Yeah, and he wouldn't let. It, he like put his nose <gasps> oh, up when we tried to. Right. He's like, I won't fill those. That's right. Because they were plastic. <laughs> For our neighbor, yeah, they were plastic jugs, and he would only put them in the in the uh, glass, the glass, which is what you should use for wine. But oh, uh, I couldn't. So we'll see. Woo, 20, 20 to forty cents a liter more expensive. Prices are climbing high up high. out here. <laughs> um, there's a huge election going on here in Italy next month. We're not going to talk about it. A because. I don't want to talk about politics, and B, we don't know what we're talking about. So. No, we don't. We've told you many times. We are full on fun. Short on facts. <laughs> we don't research or know much about what we're talking about. So we won't on that. So let's talk about something. So why, we do why know did you about. even bring it up? Oh, because it's on the list. Oh, okay. It uh, is a big deal, but. Uh, um, there, uh, so let's bring up something we do know. We just got back um, last week from a little short little trip to Barcelona. Yes. We were lucky enough to get invited to a new hotel opening. I know. It sounds, re- sounds I know. really fancy. You're like, what are you guys doing invited to a hotel opening? We're thinking the same thing. We were thinking the same thing. So just put, put it in perspective. Two days before we uh, were going to be in tuxes and gowns, we were, had Ashley had paint over the entire top of her forehead and into her hair. And, it, and I looked as she like... So much so you were like, maybe you should go for like this skunk hair look, like the Marissa Tomei uh, look. And I was like, why? And you're like, you've got a bunch of paint there. You're already going gray. So... I don't know how we ended up at the opening of a hotel. Of a five-star hotel. Uh, Insane. But it was great. It was really fun. It was on a personal note. This was the first time I've gotten to see Jason in a tux. We've been together for a long time. So this was really fun. It was our uh, our Barcelona prom night. 
Totally. Um, Barcelona is one of our favorite destinations. Uh, quick, like, weekend getaways. City getaway. City getaways outside of Italy for a few reasons. One, we can get there easily. It's an, it's an hour and a half flight. It's it usually, takes longer normally for us to get to the airport yeah, than the flight. And usually the parking costs more than the uh, ticket price itself on the airplane. Oh, speaking of that, should we detour real quick and talk about... Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we flew out of Florence, and I have to apologize because we really... We really, we really uh, bashed Florence. One of the last podcasts. Florence Airport. Mm -hmm. So Florence Airport, we talked about how it makes you feel like you're in uh, after the during the Cold War where you have to walk down the hallway with all the closed windows. On, it, on all I'm getting chills just thinking about it. It's and <laughs> how it's such a crappy airport and blah, blah, blah. Well, they've redone it. So I apologize to Florence Airport. It's not as crappy. It's not as, as bad. As it was before. They're not done with the work. So some of the shopping areas are done. The scary corridor isn't as scary. They put up some like, I don't know, pictures, whatever. But the only thing that is still, well, not only like the terminals where you take off from and your gates are crapola, but um, the there's one food place. That yeah, part Ash sucks. Ashley was not. Ashley did not like it because we got there early. And um, well, I'm always early enough to at least get a beer okay. and a something. Uh, so. Yeah, it's just a crappy airport. And anyone who's into aviation, there is no taxiway to from. There is just a runway. And it goes from the apron to the runway. There's no taxiway. So what does that mean? That means the planes have to, when they go to... When they land. When they go to land, they have to go to the end of the runway, spin around, and backtrack to two-thirds of the way back to then go to the apron and the, ter and the terminal. It's a weird sensation as a passenger when you're realizing, we've turned around on the runway. I'm looking at the lights. How is no one landing as we're running on the same so strip? Why, so why is that bad? Well, if you are taking off or landing, for instance, when we were taking off, we had to wait and wait and wait because there's an airplane landing. And then once the airplane lands, they have to go to the end, flip a huge airplane 180 degrees, and then fly, crawl, crawl back. back to the terminal. So. Normally, what happens is anytime you land, there's a high-speed exit off the, off the main runway to a taxiway, and you taxi back to the terminal. So now that the runway, obviously, is clear for another plane to take off and land. Well, it takes five minutes for a plane to take off at Florence. It takes five minutes at least for them to, once they hit the ground, to land. Forget about how, how far out they have to have the runway clear for when the plane's landing. So it's just slow. It's stupid. It how do you not – in a in a in a um, airport that has as much traffic as Florence, how do you not have a taxiway? I don't know. And it's happy we were to see some of the changes made. The intersection to get to the airport is still a disaster. I'm All still right, not so happy about that. that. We, we, still, apologize. we apologize, but still. <laughs> we apologize to Florence Airport and then shit all over it. <laughs> right behind Ta -da! it. There you go. Um, anyway, back to Barcelona. <laughs> Uh, Barcelona is a great city. Um, it's really uh, tourist-friendly tourism. We've talked about it on other podcasts. The cab ride into the city center is 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. Good food, good people, good weather. Um, yeah. It's just a fun place this to go. This time we did a few things um, that we haven't done. Jason said, get me out of the beaten path that we've done in years past and um, or trips past. So we went up towards the university, up a, kind of above the city, if you will, and went to this really cool botanical garden and checked out this labyrinth and it was a huge labyrinth made out of hedge groves of like um big the big bushes that how tall were they eight feet tall yeah, yeah they were they were huge but it was really really well done and really cool and it was it, it was great to get on the the um hill inlet well you know um you can see the hill it was on it's on when you're in barcelona but you can see out over the city and then into the water and we were, um, and classic oh i cut you off but class of classic you always me. classic you, you um, cut me off constantly <laughs> but it was classic us because we get up there we're so early that the park hasn't really officially opened and i don't know if it was a sunday so it was free or what but the guy who was like the maintenance guy is the one who just like the gate was half open it was like go on in <laughs> it was i mean in spanish but it was so funny because there was like the gate for parking was still closed and but i love getting to those places early and we walked around we did the whole thing we got into the middle in record time we were feeling really proud well, of ourselves my brother is stuck in 1999 2000 
Sure. He loves the show The Amazing Race, and he always says that I would never, he would never let me be his Amazing Race partner. Amazing I think Ra- I'm in the running. I think his I like Amazing to think. Race. For those of you who don't know, this who is all better, Fat Zach, by the better way. Things to do is a stupid television show where people run around doing different obstacles as you travel. I guess right. You don't even know. I don't even know. I've seen it one or two times that he's made me. But anyway, I felt like we were on the, the show because how quick can you get to the middle? There was a little. There was a group of a couple of kids and a mom who went in before us. We kicked their ass. We kicked their ass. However, <laughs> we, and we felt out. really proud, but we couldn't get out. We <laughs> got to the middle in record time. I was really proud of myself how we got to the middle really quick, and then it took us like a half hour to get out. And then when we went up above, so you could like look at where the whole labyrinth was in this beautiful kind of. You climb the stairwell and you can look down below, and. We realized we didn't walk, we didn't leave the right way. There was an exit way, and we went out the same way or a different way that we came in. Whatever. Whatever. But still, we were so proud of ourselves. Um, another thing that we did for the first, this is actually a, the first time that we've done it. We went to a big time football match. Soccer. Um, uh, we went to see Barcelona with, um, what's his name? Messi, mm-hmm. right? The, 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 big, the big squad. Yeah. Um, play, who'd they play? Like Magada, I forget. I can't remember. That's horrible. Yeah, that's not important. That's it's not, not important. important. It's not important. But we were told get there early. So the game starts at four. We did a little quick research because we were able to score tickets from the hotel, which we never ever ever do. And I highly recommend. Well, listen, we're not used to a hotel with a real concierge. No, <laughs> well, we, we work at one. We live at one without one. <laughs> without real, I'm like, oh uh, yeah. Here's the card. Go find it. Um, <laughs> They were able to hook us up with great tickets at seats. And so when we came into the – well, we were – so we start uh, – we're not quite sure where the seats are, but it was like, great. We're going well, to the on, game. Hold on. Back it up. I, mean, I am. I'm part. backing it up. So the, around the stadium, just like any stadium before the game, is nuts and crazy. And everyone is booze – is drinking, pounding beers because there is no alcohol in the stadium. That's what I was going to say that there, we researched it, about, like, what to do and this and that. And, and oh, my God. Yeah, the only thing you do is get as drunk as – you can before you go in because once you go in and i'm sure there's people who sneak in flasks and stuff they patted us down barely they didn't even pat me down they just looked at me and i think also it said beware of photos or videos and thinking people are holding beers uh yeah beware it's freaking near beer yeah they do sell non-alcoholic beer (laughs) and there was a japanese couple in front of us and they kept going and getting beers and getting beers and i thought should I, I don't have the heart to tell him. <laughs> I didn't know if they knew either. I, I don't think he knew because he, he went and got like beers And then they'd three be like times. holding the beers up in their selfies and stuff. Yeah, it was really like, funny. Now I'm not going to beer. Anyway, it was a black. It, it was really fun um, going with everyone. Everyone had their colors on, of course. Um, tell you, well. Well, so on the way in, we're like working, with, going with the whole crowd. We took the subway or the train um, up. Take it with the whole crowd making their way to the stadium, which was so cool. I love that feel. We stopped for some Frankfurters and super large beers and some tapas. Yeah, giant beers. That was delicious. Um, I loved that all of the little tapas and restaurants and stuff like that on the way leading up to the stadium all had tables stacked high with, um, like, I guess in a, a... Italy would call it paninos, but like simple sandwiches, simple sandwiches, but right. on baguettes. Yeah, and that looked. I loved that. Look. I just thought it was actually just. Good. I was like, like, we should just get one. <laughs> we were even hungry. kept remarking of the pile of sandwiches. Are you sure you don't want one? And he was like, Do you want one? No. So we didn't know where we were sitting. So when we walk in, we look at you know the first thing I always love to do, whatever sport it is, is you got to see the field is exactly. Immediately. So once you walk in, you just beeline so where you can see the field. It was gorgeous. Like it's. Re- I know. I was like, get a picture. We're not going to see this view again. So anyway, we look at our tickets, and we don't come from money. So whenever we would go to a sport a sporting event, it would you look at your ticket, and you turn around and look up. Like, are start we, climbing. You start climbing. And climbing high. Uh, when when I went grow, grew up, we would go to the Husky game, which was, sounds fantastic and luxurious. Maybe not. Maybe. University of Washington. But our seats were the OZ. Were OZ. And we called it the ozone level because there was no seat higher. <laughs> 
so we climbed. Anyway, we look at our tickets and oh my god, we we walked down. We walked down. We got closer to the field. Eleven rows up. Unbelievable. We were right in right the corner. In the corner. Um, on the same side as like all on the, the home fans, team on the home side. and the flag boys, like the big. I don't so even know what you would call it. So a couple of things that are totally different from at least in Spain. I we've not been to a big time football calcio match here in Italy. We've just been to small ones. Um, one thing that I noticed. One, no announcer. Like, they announce the players, no. and then it is silent through the whole game. Number two is there is no music. That was a big one. Nothing. The only thing there is is three guys with a drum, a guy with a microphone, and about 800 to 1,200 people who sing songs the entire game. There's the whole section behind the All dudes. Goal, all guys, and they <laughs> just sing the whole time. Uh-huh. It was really interesting. Now, the game was – it was a blast. However, to sit there and the whole thing, I love the fan feel and the the flag guys and their chants and songs and all of the camaraderie. But it went into overtime, 0-0. Zero, zero. <laughs> no, it, they gave him three – it's not – wrong game. They gave him three, or three minutes at the end because of injury extra time. Okay. And then it just ended. Like, it was so anticlimactic. There was not a second three-minute clock afterwards. No. And there was no, like, like, I don't know, some sort of horn at the end to signify the game was over. Yeah, the referee blew the whistle three times. But just, like, it was rinky-dink. I don't know. I think we're way too – there was no fireworks. (laughs) Well, that's one thing that we did realize. Um, When you go to American sporting events, there is a lot of theatrics involved. It's on. There's, there's like, fireworks and flag guys and cheerleaders and the whole nine. The announcers, the whole thing. It's more of a spectacle where a game is part of the entire experience. Mm -hmm. This was – you're here for a game. You're here for a game. And I kind of liked it. I do too. Now, I'm sure the booze is a prevention of riots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The fact that you can't drink in there is a pre- Correct. Yeah. Well, you can, I can go onto YouTube and type in NFL fights and you see a million videos True. of morons. And I think a week there. later, wasn't there a riot during halftime? Um, no, that was somewhere else. That was. They set off the, that was somewhere in Russia. Smoke bombs. The smoke bombs. During halftime. I thought, oh my God, we missed that one. But I feel, I feel good. I feel com- complete in that sense that we were able to go see a professional football, soccer game. We saw, one of the, we saw one of the best players in the world. Yes. He yes. didn't do anything. In what is supposedly one of the best stadiums in the world. So that was really fun. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Don't want to go back to it. No, but I would recommend it. Go do it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, um,. As far as getting tickets to it, this isn't – I don't know. We went to a Seahawks game a few years ago and spent what ridiculous a amounts fortune. of money. We weren't yeah. even – we spent so much on tickets, we weren't allowed – we were only allowed one beer at the game each. <laughs> That's all we could afford. <laughs> it was so expensive. Uh, this isn't like that. I don't know. I'm sure this – well, one thing is it wasn't a big-name team, so I'm sure tickets were cheaper. But it just wasn't that – there was a lot of ki- – like, it was a family. You it could, was definitely a family you, thing. A family of four could go to this and not have to spend what you would spend on your mortgage payment. Mm-hmm. I would would recommend it. And especially if you're traveling, what a cool way to get to know a city by the people at an uh, event, you know. Look at Philadelphia. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One restaurant that we'll recommend. um, Okay, well, two. Well, there's two. Well, and then a third, but go ahead. Okay, well, the first one is, we've mentioned this before, in Barcelona is called Dry Martini. And this is an old school speakeasy, dark, wood, old men. And they make two things that are absolutely fantastic. They make the best martini I've ever had. Hence dry martini. And the best gin and tonic. I had no idea I like gin and tonic. And it's kind of dangerous that I found out I do. It, wow. Gin. But they, it's tonic. the whole, <laughs> I know we've talked about this before, but it's the whole thing. It's the old school. It's the guys in white jackets with the big uh, pitchers with the giant, like, Grenade ice cubes, they're huge, and the long spoons, and they chill the glass first, and they... They take a... Uh, 
a zest of like a skin like a little zest of orange or lemon and just for like the just like fart with it all over <laughs> it like barely and that you're like how did that do anything but it did okay. and it's an old speakeasy so okay, that one's really so number cool. one dry martini if you want if it's hot and you want a good drink in the afternoon dry martini and that's in the exempia number two is what's the uh cerveceria catalonia oh man this place is it's a little touristy, but the sit at the bar, sit at the bar, and it for price versus quality, it's awesome. We, now, it, Jason said it's touristy or a little. It is like in the back, the restaurant's packed with tourists. Sit at the front in the bar, and we sat with a um, and met a father and son who had been living in the neighborhood for years and have been going here for like 30, 40 years, whatever. But it was like, oh, so it definitely is a local spot. It is a scene. We were lucky enough slash fat enough to arrive just as lunch was starting. And they start filling these cases at the front at the bar with all of the seafood and to watch everything come out. It was like, oh, my God, what are they going to bring out next? What looks good? I don't know. What looks good? Check it out. And, oh, my God. Two two and a half bottles of wine later, and it was – we stumbled out of there, and it's it's really good. It's not – listen, is it the most fanciest or the best? No, but it's good, and it's not expensive, and we've had – every time we go there, we have a great time. Oh, we have a great time every time. And um, the third, which is one we've tried to go to many times before, kind of forgot about it, ran, stumbled upon it wandering around the streets and reminded myself, oh, yeah, I've researched the hell out of this place. It's called Cal Pep. And it's a semi-famous restaurant, um, a kind of famous chef, I guess. And they'll call it like his interpretation of, of tapas. And it made me nervous. And I didn't tell Jason that part because I thought, oh, oh, really? That was an interpretation? Yes. An interpretation tra- of traditional. And I thought maybe it's more like yours where it's just lighter. I don't know. You Everything know, we had seems super traditional. It was, but I, I don't know. It was really good. So uh, this is a place where also if you read reviews on Yelp or if you're a Yelper person, you'll get a weird mix where... Um, there's a bunch of people who don't like it because the waiter pick. There's no menu, so the waiter picks your order. It's a railroad car restaurant with no seats. It's only around the counter. There's 25 maybe, mm-hmm. and there's no menu, which is cool. You just you have to talk to your waiter. Talk and- to your waiter. That's the important thing. So when we sat down, and he said, "I'll pick for you," and we said, "Great." And Jason said, "I." Heavy on the fish. I said fish. We want fish. And he said, gotcha. Got so he skipped the olives and he skips the ham. Pan tomat. Yeah, you know, some of the stuff. stuff that are the regulars, it's like, okay, great. We've had that a hundred times. So he went right to the meat and potatoes or the fish and, and potatoes. And actually those potatoes were excellent there. Um, just really, really good fish. Much, much more. Um, more expensive than the last, the, the server, serv- serv- Yeah. Um, but not much. Still a beautiful lunch for two with a bunch of beers. It was under a hundred bucks. Yeah, we ate a lot. There was a whole fish involved. Yeah, um, <laughs> great. Just beautiful plates. Really well cooked. The fish was um, better, I think, at the Calpep. Mm-hmm. Harder to get into. And the reason why we were there for the hotel opening of the Almanac Barcelona, and this was really exciting because um, we've worked with the PR firm. Um, KDV Creative before with a couple other hotels and they invited us to come and cover and take some pictures and some video and just be part of the event Um, and the hotel owner is getting ready to launch two other hotels in Prague and Vienna as well in the next two years which should be beautiful if they're like this and this was the first time I think that we have stayed in a well, it's the very first time we've stayed in a brand spanking new hotel, but one that kind of redefined what is either luxury or expected in high end hospitality today. And let's let's talk a little about that. Let's let's talk. <laughs> what is high end hospitality? Well, so first and foremost, it's a beautiful hotel. The you know you walk in and things are kind of gold plated or gold edged and things, and it's a little. Glitzy is the nice way to say it. A little Russian esque, if you will, is another way. Um, we're taking the staff was super nice, um, very friendly. We're up taken up to our room, and it's a bigger hotel. I wouldn't say boutique in the small twenty and under thirty and under size. This was a hundred plus rooms, and immediately 
being taken to a room, the uh, front desk concierge, you know, is so kind and she's showing us everything. Here's this, here's that. But what she really has to spend the most time on is the electronics. So um, from what we got from staying at this hotel is defining the new definition or their interpretation of luxury is technology. This whole place was just wired. There's no light switches. Everything is controlled with... um, with panels on the walls, um, there's a iPad and a smartphone that you can take anywhere throughout the city you want. Which was, I've never seen that before, the idea that um, not even just to be something uber luxurious, it was a really practical idea. Not only if you need help or questions, you can contact the hotel, but they said so many international guests and phone plans have a difficult time that it was all included. And I thought that is a really thoughtful, so that was very thoughtful. But then when it starts coming down to some of like the technology in the room, it's a little over the top. Well, it depends. Some, for instance, when you walk through different zones in the room, there's motion sensors. So the lights will turn on. There's a um, light in the toilet. Like <laughs> just night. in the, like in the toilet, um, not like in the toilet room. No, like in the toilet. Um, <laughs> But sometimes you just want to put the lights on. You don't want to have to go over to the screen and set your mood. Set your mood. Um, So it's just different. And maybe we're just old fogies. But um, it It also it was glitzy. It was flashy and interesting at first, but then living with it for four days, it was like, oh, just open the freaking... I can't open the bl- the curtains. I have Every to, like, time. I don't I like... Where's, like, three, the chain to open the curtains? Totally. No. I don't want to go through three screens to open the curtains. Okay. I mean, it's cool, but... Well, the other thing interesting is that you could, in fact, stay there, have room service, take advantage of different amenities, and not have to speak to anyone because you could do it all through the in-room app devices that were left to you, whether it was the television, this humongous smart television, or the, um, yeah, we sell such country pumpkins. We're like, oh my God, you can do all this on your iPhone. Well, no, it's just that it's a, for instance, we've stated other places that, um, that the idea of luxury is people, you can't get through the lobby. Hands on. uh, Hands on. You can't get through the lobby of this place up to your room without speaking to four people. That all know your name. That all know your name and want to know if there's anything they can do for you. And the last thing that they would want is for you to order room service without talking to them, right? Well, this is the exact opposite. This is more, and I think it goes to more of people are used to that now. Is this the millennials? I don't know. I just think people are not used to that. I don't want to have to talk to someone. I want to just have – I want to just go on. Oh, yeah. Like you can do that with, uh, like when we saw, saw your brother. You could do that with his phone or – Wherever he wants. I mean, my order takeout. Or, my brother lives in New York. He's ordering food home be, on the train on the way home so that when we walk in the door, it's right behind us. So And never, never, never speak to anyone. So I think people are more used to that and to them that is a luxury. Whereas to us, we're like, well, I want to – it seems impersonal, mm-hmm. but maybe that's the way it's going. That that people don't want that very personal interaction. Because look at our look at how everything's you know how many we don't live in a city. So when we go to a place like Barcelona and we sit in restaurants and bars and look around, we absorb it all. It's like, like the oh amount my gosh. of people with their and I know people are sitting in the, you're sitting in your car or wherever listening, going yeah, no shit. Welcome to 2018. Or but, you're sitting on the train looking at everyone else. Yeah, doing but it. people are buried in their phones. I cannot believe it. Even in a place that's very social and and um, they're into like um, being together and yeah. interaction at the table in, in Spain. It's still how many times do we almost smack into people on the street mm-hmm. because they have their heads buried in their phones? Well, the other part that was interesting about this hotel is this high uh, kind of luxury of all of this technology and the beautiful location and rooms and all of that. But in the main dining room, um, it wasn't what you would expect for the service staff to be wearing in the sense of the, um, the everyone was incredibly friendly. They were great. But they were smart, you, but they were casual. They were casually dressed. which Sneakers. I, I was actually fine with it. I mean, we just told you we came from painting and we're country bumpkins in this sense. So in a way, it was really nice. But I was very confused in the sense of, like I said before, there's a Russian glitzy... Well, Uber the, technology. All the, all the front then, desk people are in 
black yes. black dress. Very smart. Very, very smart, sharp. Sharp, long black dresses. Yes. And then you go into the dining room and we've got um, canvas, aprons, some of, um, with the overall like suspenders um, and canvas tennis shoes. And it was really cute. It was very hip. Very hipster, but I thought this is really an interesting choice. And then again, do people not? Does the new luxury mean a little bit not not so stuffy? Uh-huh. Is that stuffy? Like, no one was wearing a tie. No, everyone. No one looked slot, like it wasn't like they were just. The, no. the uniforms were smart, but yeah. they were casual. Yeah, and I just thought this is really curious. <laughs> I see all this gold, but then no one exactly. No one's in a... Well, it's just because I thought I'm coming to this swanky <laughs> place, so I'm put on a sport jacket and slacks and a real shirt to come down to breakfast. It's like, oh, I could show up in jeans and a... Yeah, you could or just some uh, breakaway sweats if you really wanted to. How old do we sound? Oh my god, we probably thing? sound very old and just like, oh my god, who are these, these people? These kids today. I know, I know. But all in all, it was very fun. Uh, it was fun to dress up. The party itself was a Nuts. I mean, there was 400 people. You couldn't walk around, you know. Um, let's give the Almanac Hotel a shout out for something that we enjoyed every single day. Pastry. Oh, yeah. They had a pastry chef in there that was really, she was, a, she was really good. She is uh, living in Barcelona, obviously, but called herself a, the black sheep of her family from Argentina. And that she was... Uh, had gone to school for politics. Political de- science. <laughs> decided that wasn't her thing, wanted to bake, and became the black sheep of her family, moved to Spain, and is killing it. Her croissants were the devil every morning because we'd already eaten way too much the night before, and you think, all right, let's just start slow this yeah, morning. Yeah, we don't eat breakfast, really. No, we'll, have a, we'll eat our cappuccinos, our big, huge cappuccinos, but no, we don't really have a, you know, or maybe some yogurt or something, but oh my God, they're croissants her pastries were so good the pan chocolate so flaky and buttery and then at the party that was again the big opening party that was the best part as yeah, well she made all these lollipops basically with all the different types of cakes and and um, all the little macaroons, the macaroons. and yeah she's, oh. she's she was good she was good she looked like a mom you yeah she was really sweet she was sweet mm-hmm. she, very good at what she did yes so um check it out almanac um fantastic breakfast good breakfast and crazy technology yeah crazy technology let's talk technology <laughs> jesus well you didn't even mention your favorite part of the technology oh i forgot <laughs> I didn't know if you were being... No, no. Are you kidding me? Okay, they had a Japanese, like an electronic bidet. So you've been to Italy or, or France or whatever. You know a bidet, right? This one is not a separate... It's integrated. It's integrated. It's got a remote control, which is really cool. So once you're, once you're ready for bideting, you <laughs> hit a button and there's three different, you know, squirts and this little... <laughs> This little stainless steel thing comes out of the back of the toilet and, uh, you know, does your thing. You control the pressure of the water. You control the type of the spray, the the temperature. It's never cold. It was never cold. It was always heated. It was really, really nice. I liked it a lot. But my mind immediately goes to, okay, this place has a hundred and whatever rooms. And um, there's a light in the bottom of this thing, and eventually <laughs> the bottom you, of the basin, the yeah. bottom of the under up underneath, or this thing breaks, and it's like um, the maintenance guy who comes to work that day, the poor apprentice maintenance guy, he's like, Raul. All right, I got a job for you today, Raul. We're gonna change light bulbs. I'll get my ladder. <laughs> No need to get your ladder, Raul. These are different light bulbs. We're going to get you some knee pads. <laughs> Why knee pads? Because your head is going to be stuck in 157 toilets today changing out these lights. That's all my. That's all you I can think about. Think, you, he did. So often he'd be like. What happens when this thing breaks? <laughs> exactly. Who has to change the light bulb? Oh, my God. Uh, I forgot to write down the name of it, but I might have to look into this. I might have to look into they. They called it a Japanese bidet. But it was just an electronic yeah. bidet. I'm not sure why the Japanese get the credit. I don't either. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Very cool. I liked it. More buttons to play with. Now, another thing is, and I tried this before, if you try to get up and then hit the button, it doesn't work. Oh, it's a sensor? It's got a sensor for your for your butt. Did you want to see like where it was going and stuff? I just wanted to see it working. Yeah, yeah. You want to see it, it come out yeah, and yeah. Mm-hmm. That is... I couldn't. I had to like put my head between my legs to watch it come out. That's a little too much podcast information. <laughs> Moving right along. Very interesting design though. Anyway. Yes. 
Uh, moving right along. Uh, what else you got? Because we have oh, to start. Oh, Gachi was hysterical. So oh, we posted a picture of us at this uh, fancy tie, uh, black tie event. And, well, okay. First of all, the dress code attire said 1920s black tie, which we were like, oh, my God. What does that mean? And... Jason had to run to tux and went classic all the way. I had a pretty black dress that I thought I could pull off and got my hair did. And um, we looked just nice and classy and with all the people blending, quite nice. Well, because this is uh, the year that it is and everyone's social and insta-fabulous, um, they have the big backdrop. and All lit. All lit. And, and on the, the red carpet. Yes, like the red I've carpet, never, the whole thing. Okay. <laughs> Like I said, we don't go to these things. So to see grown women act like 16-year-old girls, like they're... Again, I said prom. Popper- yeah, like it's prom. And goddamn, did our picture not come out looking like a prom. Okay. They hand us these props as yes. well, because of course we have to do it. Of course, right? So they hand us these props as we go out there, and I'm like, oh, I don't want this cane thing. And Ashley's got this, like, cigarette holder. And the lady tells me, stand up straight. So I puff out my chest and try to stick this thing behind this cane behind my back. It's, I think it's a really nice photo of us. Jason hates it because he feels awkward and, like, pressured into it. But what is extra funny – so there's all these layers to this picture. <laughs> And on top of it, we come home and Gaji says, I saw, ah. <laughs> saw your picture in your smoking, which is uh, called oh, a tuxedo. I don't didn't realize that Americans are the – is this true? Americans are the only ones who call a tuxedo a tuxedo. I don't know what the French call it, but the smoking Spanish jacket. and the Italians call it smoking. A smoking jacket, and yeah. So he, he started – he called Jason a young Harvey Weinstein. And this was just about I, – I lost my shit. I couldn't believe that here's old curmudgeonly Gaji pulling out a Weinstein reference. Weinstein and, joke. Oh, my God. And I did. And I, he said, it's not, it's not fat. It's just look at your pompous face. <laughs> you just look like an asshole like he does. Just a young one. And it was hysterical. So, it's a horrible picture. <laughs> it looks like it's prom 2018. And, oh. But we're like way too old to go to prom. To go to prom? Oh, that's too bad. That is so funny, though. Anyway, all right. That story took 22 minutes longer than it needed to. <laughs> Are you going to read something? Yes, I am. Um, I've had some wonderful requests. A special shout out to Jerry. You know who you are. Um, asking for more of the book, and it's coming up. All right, very good. Um, what's coming up this week? More painting. We got to get that done. Our first guests are here in. Four weeks. 30 days. Oh, my God. 30 days. Let's just say... Move to Italy to retire, we have. Then we have a... Oh, my gosh. You guys, this spring is just jam-packed. So if anyone's (laughs) wanting to come out, it's a great time to visit. (laughs) I'm not going to sell it. If you're you're looking to retire to Italy, come and do this course just to see if we can actually get this house together in the next 30 days. Oh, that's a good point. Do it just to test us. Can we... Get enough rooms ready for this workshop (laughs) and everything else on the agenda. Yep. All right. Very good. Bring us home. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Stay tuned for another chapter of the book coming up shortly. You can find us at La Tavola Marque, L-A-T-A-V-O-L-A-M-A-R-C-H-E, latavolamarque.com. Shoot us an email at info at latavolamarque.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Insta, at latavolamarque. You can follow me at Ashley Bartner, A-S-H-L-E-Y. B-A-R-T-N-E-R. And for more of our photos from our trip to Barcelona and everything you can find on there as well. Yeah, you're going to have to put up the prom picture at the on this when you I will. This. I'll put it on the blog for okay, this one. Good. All right. Dog days of February. Dog the days of winter. photo. Dog days of winter <laughs> almost over. I can see spring around the corner. It's coming. I got, we, we ordered the seeds for this year. We're, the garden's getting it. We're preparing. I can't wait. Oh, and we did get some seeds in Spain, too. Yep. We got the good peppers. Can't wait. All right. Very good. Stay tuned. Stay here for Ashley's unpublished, untitled, titled, un- anything, unfinished. Yeah. All right. Very good. The book. Ciao, ciao. Thank you, guys. Chapter 13, the continuation of the untitled, unpublished, unnamed, un-anything. <laughs>
book that I've been working on. All right, chapter 13, The Doctor's Inn. The introduction of Dr. Gaggi and his wife, Rosanna, are quote-unquote adopted Italian parents, the very same curious cardiologist we met while delivering pies. After reading countless expat books set in Italy, Jason and I knew to survive the Italian countryside, we would need to be adopted by someone willing to show us the ropes. Luckily, within our first few months, an invitation arrived for dinner at the house of Dottore Settimio Gacci and his lovely wife, Rosanna. Little did we know that was the beginning of it all. Stumbling through Cena dinner using what little conversational Italian we spoke at the time was painful for them, I'm sure. However, it didn't stop Dr. Gaggi from telling jokes we couldn't understand. It was the twinkle in his eye and his wife's eruption of laughter that made us feel at ease. We look back on those first dinners and think what incredible patience they were determined to help us understand. Dottore Settimio Gaggi, a.k.a. Gaggi, the Gaggster, or Il Capo, the boss, is an ornery, stubborn, tightly wound package that can be gentle and thoughtful when no one is looking. Jason's grandma would have said he was full of piss and vinegar, and she would have been right. <laughs> At 60 years old, he is a world-class ball buster. <laughs> a self-proclaimed child of America who drives a Jeep, Gaji thinks Clint Eastwood and Chuck Norris are the best actors in the world, and in fact, the only English phrase he can say is, one shot, one kill, from Walker, Texas Ranger, which is dubbed in Italian and on nightly television here. <laughs> Gaji may be no taller than 5'4", but as he boasts, I have the strength of five men. Um... Oh, I'm sorry. He rarely, he is a rare breed. City doctor by day, dressed in cashmere sweaters, writing prescriptions, and country farmer in muddied boots by night. With outdated, oversized, wire-rimmed glasses and a balding head, he hasn't aged much in 20 years. Looking at old pictures, we realize Gaggi has looked 60 years old since he was in his mid-30s. <laughs> Rosanna, his wife, deserves a purple heart for bravery and valor after 35 years of service being married to Dr. Gaggi. Perpetually changing hairstyles, it always the same blue eyeshadow. Perfectly coiffed with years of sun on her skin, she's the wife of a doctor and accessorizes to prove it, that enjoys putting, puttering around the flower bed. Instead of making her own pasta, she orders it from a local lady in town, leaving more time to spend socializing over a cafe with friends or the next-door neighbors. Like a proper Italian woman over 45, she loves spending time at the cemetery. Small in height, she makes for it up in volume while chatting away on her mobile, chain-smoking, <laughs> reminiscent of a quintessential Italian or Jewish grandmother. She knows how to work your heartstrings. Well, I didn't tell you when I was going to the hospital for tests because I didn't want you to worry. I can happily say that the unsuspecting couple, Gajian Rose and his wife Rosanna, having never children of their own, are now the proud adoptive parents of two Americans. In by no means is this a traditional adoption. There are no documents to prove this union, and instead of milk, we share bottles of wine over dinner during these long, cold winter months. I think that if Gaggi and Rosanna had a son, they would have wanted him to be just like Jason. You can see it in the way they look at him with doting eyes. And like the child of their own, they have become protective, inquisitive, and at times thoroughly frustrating. <laughs> the doctor is the proud papa as he eagerly shares the secrets of the garden, takes us mushroom hunting, fixes squeaky hinges, any odd project that pops up. Good old Gaggi is a bit of a character, to say the least. An Italian Archie Bunker, he's always busting your chops, breaking your balls and keeping you on your toes, but in the most heartfelt way. He calls me Coca, a sweet term of endearment and my first Italian nickname. I love it every time he shouts up from the garden, Coca, un caffettino! Rosanna, the caretaker, is the ever-watchful mother hen as she passes down the traditional recipes of the area to Jason. She not only coordinates our social calendar of events, but always takes the time to explain in detail every step as we make capoletti, tagliatelle, and gnocchi together. Do you know which pasta goes with the matriciana, she asks, and answers her own question before Jason can say a word. Bucatini or spaghetti number five? 
This is serious business. She's helped us with parking tickets, <laughs> researching car insurance, and even plucking chickens. Rosanna makes herself comfortable in our kitchen, fetching a fresh cafe for the men while they're working in the garden. Jason, let go, Gaji commanded, climbing into the silver jeep. Jason blindly did as told. Jason, let's go. We're going to Massimiliano, the mechanic. Who? Jason asked the mechanic. He repeats, lighting up a cigarette, shaking his head as he drives. Attenzione, Jason points out a particularly large hole in the road, since he knows it now like the back of his hand. Cazzo, curses Gaji and swerves to miss it. Passing through the tree-lined street of Piobico and following the signs for a pecchio, Gaji quickly turns as the road banks right and drops into the mini-industrial zone. The city's recycling center, warehouse for everything from road signs to tractors, a woodworker's studio, and the mechanic. Gaji tells Jason to follow him as he lights another cigarette. Ciao, Massimo. Presente Jason, the Americano di Cacamone. He goes on to explain to the mechanic in simple terms that he may be young, he may be foreign, and he may look dumb. But this big, goofy buffoon in basketball shorts standing in front of you is a good guy and treat him like you would treat me. We were being vouched for. And that means charging us the lower price reserved for the locals, the respect for the locals, and that that means we are part of it. In a country where we have no family, it is incredible feeling to be adopted by this family and their community, treated as a local and one of their own. There's always a place at the table for birthdays, holidays, even the random Wednesday night. Jason thinks that Gaji sees himself more as a mentor than a father. However, he'll tell you like it is and is very much like family. I think we get each other. It's symbiotic. We both need one another in certain ways. He's good at motivating you, if nothing else. I love it when I can be down in the garden before he arrives watering. It's one less thing he can talk shit about, says <laughs> Jason. Gaji and Rosanna are bursting at the seams to share their endless knowledge of traditions, recipes, farming, etc. Like most others in their 60s in this area. They are dying to pass their traditions to the next generation who are unfortunately not nearly as interested as us two strangers. We are like the sponge ready and happy to absorb all they have to teach us. Gaji and Rosanna love this and feed off of it, introducing us to countless friends that are retired with kids who find a sense of pride and passion in continuing Italy's rich and wonderful culture. Instead of having grandkids being dragged to grandma's house, kicking and screaming, not wanting to learn to make pasta or pick wild edibles or simple gardening, we are eager, inquisitive, and excited. However, Jason and I begin to wonder about the future generations of Italians as well hoping deeply they don't lose what makes them so special. All right. I will do one more quick one. This is chapter 14, Let the Pop-Ins Begin. The best part of living in the Italian countryside is that you just never know what will happen or who may pop in, especially on a Sunday. The Sunday Giro, or the little trip around the area, is very popular in the late morning or early afternoon. We've had everyone from looky-loos, just curious to see who the new stranieri or strangers are, the butcher on his bike into the hills, and then there are the hunters, truffle, mushroom, and wild boar, as, all their friends and, as well as all their friends and neighbors. We've even been inducted into the Ugly Club when the president and self-proclaimed Condoleezza Rice of the Ugly Club, the Secretary of State, for this famous club founded in the teeny tiny town of Piobico, showed up at our doorstep. Upon further inspection, he quickly pulled out membership cards and inducted us on the spot. I am going to leave it here, a teaser of chapter four, let the pop-ins begin, because we have to get back to painting and work that needs to be done in the house, and we'll save it for the next week. Thank you guys so much for listening. Have a wonderful day, and until next time, ciao, ciao.